chapter 12, I thought Jesus was here to bring peace. He's called the Prince of Peace in the Scriptures. And our expectation as Christians is that then we should go for peace at, at any cost, at all cost. And we should have always an interior peace and peace in our relationship and peace among nations. But Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 12, you think I came to bring peace? No, but rather division. And in the intimate relationships, the ones that are most important to us, he gives an example, like in families, son against father and vice versa, daughter against mother and vice versa, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law and vice versa. And that a member of one's household, there could be other members who are enemies. What is going on here? Well, whenever we hear something weird or strange like this come out of Jesus' mouth, you can almost always expect that where it's coming from is the Old Testament. That Jesus is fulfilling what was already taught in the Old Testament. In this case, prophesied in the Old Testament. Jesus is relaying almost verbatim what the prophet Micah spoke about, particularly in chapter 7 of Micah. The background of Micah is important here. So Micah was a prophet who was called by God hundreds of years before the birth of the Messiah to prophesy a coming age. And this coming age would be an age of salvation an age of renewal and restoration. But, Micah says, it would be first a time of tribulation, that before we experience these things, we will first experience tribulation, and particularly through division among peoples. And so, in Micah 7, Micah says, and so... Father against son, and son against father, and mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. And members of one's own household can be enemies. Christ repeats this almost verbatim in Luke chapter 12. You see, the Jews knew their scriptures. They knew the prophets. They knew what they said. Some of us as Christians may not even have known that Micah was a prophet, let alone what he says. And not just there, because whenever a rabbi teaches, like a psalm, he'll begin with part of the psalm, and he'll expect you to know the rest of the psalm. And that's the case with Micah here and Jesus. Because then Micah goes on to say, so when these things happen, these divisions among family members, among communities, within a nation, Micah says this, look to the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, the God of your salvation. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate 
to his own disciples, all the way down to you and I, because he is the one who inaugurates that coming age. The kingdom of God becoming present here on earth, and not just in his time, but in for all time until the consummation of time. He comes to us, for instance, every time we gather for the Eucharist. The kingdom of God is here. But what Jesus is trying to do is to correct a misunderstanding that his own disciples have and that you and I have. So the, the disciples are thinking, hey, the kingdom of God is here in Jesus, so everything should be peaceful. You're going to throw off the Roman government, right? We're going to have interior peace. We're going to have peace among all the people in our religion and in our community, in our synagogue, in the, and in, among the, the religious leaders and the people and so on. Peace, right? No. Jesus, no. He says no. Why does he say no? Because he knows the world. He knows that the world is fallen. He knows that it's imperfect. And he knows, therefore, that there are people in this fallen world who have been hurt. And in their hurt, they hurt others. In their woundedness, they wound others. In their imperfections, they get God wrong. And in getting God wrong, they lead others in getting God wrong. In their woundedness, they hold on to vanity or to perfection, which is elusive, or to their ego or to their pride or to their power. And they leave all kinds of bodies in the wake of their destruction. They are divisive. They divide. And Jesus knows this. And so he says, when this happens, and this is going to happen, look to the Lord. Wait upon the Lord, the God of your salvation. Don't give up. Don't walk away. And when you're wounded, don't hold on to those wounds. And separate yourself in the midst of this division. Don't let the fire consume you and burn you up. Bring me into the fire. Invite me in. You have will. You have freedom. I have to wait for you to invite me into this moment or to this period, this stage of your life where you're in conflict with others or any other ways in which you are hurting. Loss of job or loss of health or loss of relationship and so on. Wait upon the Lord, the God of your salvation. Now, this is important. Not only does he know this is the state in which we live in in any age, but he also knows that because he is the truth for the Father, and people get God wrong, that when he comes into this world with his truth, there are going to be those who come against him and will come against his disciples in that age when he was with us and comes against us, his disciples, today. So when we follow the teachings of church, when we follow the teachings of the scriptures of Jesus Christ, then expect that there's going to be conflict and division. 
Expect it, Jesus is saying. Expect it. So not only was he prophesying, fulfilling what Micah taught, and then he's teaching us, then what he did is he showed us in his own life. So he begins to preach the truth of the Father. And the people of his age come against him because of this. And they lie about him. They perjure themselves. And out of their woundedness and their pride, they attack Jesus. The truth itself. The word incarnate. They crucify him. And he dies upon a cross. He experiences the fire. But then from that, because he waits upon the Lord, all the while while he suffers, he looks to the Lord, the God of his salvation. He calls out upon him. And what does, what does God do? Resurrects him from the dead. He ascends him into heaven. And from that place, the Father and the Son send their Holy Spirit. Another fire. And that fire restores and renews and brings us into the fullness of the salvation of God. How do we know this? Because Jesus says this. He says this is going to happen. Right before he asked the question, do you think I came to bring peace? No, but rather division. It's not that he's dividing, it's that we're dividing. And right before that he says this, I came to bring a fire upon the earth and how I wish it were already blazing. What's he talking about? Again, Old Testament. So one of the prominent images in the Old Testament of fire is the fire that purifies. So we hear this over and over again in Old Testament passages about how um, somebody who takes precious metals, and he, like gold, and we know that when it's first mined, it's impure. It has other elements in it. And so you take it to a red-hot fire, and you heat it up, and you melt it. And you burn out through a process all the impurities until only gold remains. Only that which we value the most remains. And so the fire purifies us. When we go through experiences of division, when others come against us, when we're divided in our marriages, in our own hearts, in our families, in a community, in a nation, God's saying to us, don't let that go in vain. Don't let that burn you up and consume you and cause all kinds of negative uh, energy and feelings. Give it to me. Invite me into that. And I'll purify. I didn't cause it, but I'll purify you through it. So the only that which remains, which is valuable, remains. And purifying you, I'll take out all the stuff inside of you that shouldn't be there. All that negative stuff. All that sinful stuff. All that stuff that we want to hold on to and lash out with. And continue the divisions. I'll burn all that out. So that there's actually room inside of you. For the next fire. And the next fire. Is you have room for the Holy Spirit. 
So he's teaching his disciples this, and then he says to them right before he ascends in heaven, so go back into Jerusalem and wait for me. Look for me. I'll send another, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter, and he'll come to you on tongues of fire. And he'll come inside of you. And he will renew you, restore you. You will experience the fullness of my salvation. And then I will be able to send you out into the world, send you out into that division, send you out into that imperfection, send you out to hurting people, send you out to people who are in air and think they know me. Send you out, and you then can be the agent of change among them. You can, fill with the Holy Spirit, help them in the fire that they're dealing with. They let go of that and invite me in and make room for me. And you can call down the Holy Spirit upon them, and you can renew them, restore them, and they can experience salvation in me through you. This is the church. This is the role of the church. Not to be consumed by division, but to be transformed by it to be sent out into our marriages and our families and in our communities and across this nation that is so divided. Rather than keep our mouths shut and our heads down. The disciples were emboldened by the second fire. Let me end with this. The Bob, Bob Marshall Wilderness it's a stretch of like 200 or so um, acres, um, um, no, 200 or so miles of uh, forest that's just south of Glacier National Park. Now, one of the things that's distinctive to the Bob Marshall Wilderness is that it has a lot of lodgepole pines. And one of the things that's distinctive about this pine, among all other pine trees, is that it has a very hardy pine cone. And we know that pines produce other pine trees when the seed that's in the pine is released. But the problem is with the, bob, with the, with the, um, the, the pine cone from a lodgepole, the only thing that will get it to release its seed from its cone is fire. Fire. And so it has to experience a forest fire in order to pre produce a new generation of lodgepole pines. And in fact, this is what's been happening over millions of years. But then, the U.S. Forest Service comes into being, I, I don't know how long ago, let's say 100 or 150 years ago, and they had a policy that at all costs prevent fires and at all costs stop fires as soon as possible. And they had that policy for several decades. But in the case of the Bob Marshall wilderness, it wasn't helping it. It was hurting it. So they had to learn. They had to adjust. And they created up a new policy. And it's called a managed burn. In which they allow these burns to happen in order to continue to grow the forest and to keep it healthy. And not just the lodgepole, but all the underbrush and other plants too. What happens in nature and what happened to Christ himself, Christ is teaching, happens in our own lives. But if we think that living in this world 
the way of the Christian is a way of peace, we will be getting him wrong. Does he want peace? Yes. But there's a way through it in a divided, fallen world. So he comes to join it and show us that way and teach us that way. And so before we ever really as Christians can experience the salvation of Jesus Christ, let alone share it in this world, before we can really be restored and renewed and filled with that second fire of the Holy Spirit, we go through tribulations. And Jesus is saying, don't try to put that out so quickly. Don't run away from it. Don't hold on to it and allow it to destroy you and then use it to destroy other people's lives. Give it to me. Invite me into it. And I will manage this burn. I'll manage it. And I'll purify you. And I'll empty you. And then you'll have room for me when I send my Holy Spirit into you. And then through you, send you out to others for the next generation, for the current generation, for our marriages and our families, for this community and for our world. This is the Christian way in a fallen world, not a utopia.